rescue in Arizona nearly spun out of control. Chopper crews were hoisting a 74-year-old woman to safety when that red basket you see carrying her began spinning. Rescuers say she is okay other than suffering some dizziness and nausea. The worst part is when she landed, they made her pin the tail on the donkey. <laughs> uh, the good news is, though, she got to the hospital and uh, she got the treatment that she needed, which was being spun around a thousand times in the opposite direction. If you haven't seen that video, it is something. <laughs> oh, I almost puked watching the video. <laughs> they pick her up with the helicopter and the gurney and it just starts spinning like it's a, a ride at the state fair. Yeah. Designed to make you throw up as a child, and she's an old woman. Oh, man. Oh, I don't even want to talk about that video anymore as a guy who easily gets dizzy. Speaking of vomiting, I had one of those days a lot of parents have yesterday where you got a sick kid or kids. Luckily, only one kid was sick. Vomiting all day long. On everything, you just get all the towels and blankets washed, and he vomits on the new ones, and you get those into the wash. Oh, and boy. You're constantly paper towels. It's just amazing when that happens. Yep. Yep. Oh, God. It's really sick to my stomach, and actually, I threw up yesterday. It's an astounding example of the genius of uh, evolution, design, whatever. Let's not get hung up. That kids and pregnant ladies have a super sensitive system for, hmm, this might not be good. And up it comes. Or, you know, sometimes you just got a, a flu or whatever, but or a, uh, an organism. But yeah. Uh, speaking of science, uh, coming up in a couple of minutes, the swarm of ladybugs moving through San Diego County so large it registered on the National Weather Service's weather radar. Swarm of ladybugs. That's the apocalypse right now. Isn't that a biblical thing? It's uh, damn near. But, uh, I mean, 80 miles long and 80 miles wide blob of ladybugs. Gather your family about you. Tell them you love them. This is how it ends. (laughs) The Bible! Speaking of uh, strange behavior, oh, oh, coming up, I have been predicting for quite some time that Joe Biden would self-destruct, that though he is the powerful, powerful frontrunner, it won't last. He's just bad at running for president. I'm starting to think I might be right. And we're going to talk to Lonnie Chen about that later this hour, which yeah. is good stuff. Looking forward to it. Um, and, and some of it, by the way, I think is completely unfair. Uh, some of the reason he's, he's self-destructing. But this got very, very little attention. Um, and again, uh, San Diego area, the San Ysidro border crossing, um, a, a U.S. citizen was killed in a shootout with federal officers. This guy, um, whose name is James Eckstein, he's 23 years old, he lived in San Diego, he's from uh, Riverside County, California, apparently, but he refused to stop as he drove across the border. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to the San Ysidro border crossing. It's not like it's optional. It's not like you're out in the middle of nowhere and can't tell what you're supposed to do. I mean, it's like a giant armed installation with lanes and checkpoints and lights and signals and dogs and the rest of it. Anyway, so he refused to stop, then opened fire on federal officials trying to stop him and his pickup truck. Seven officers returned fire. Eckstein struck and killed. What was he doing? He was trying to smuggle two Chinese nationals into the country. Two Chinese men, ages 18 and 27. Now, was this guy some sort of four-time loser and he just didn't want to go to jail or something like that? But, I mean, I don't care what I'm smuggling. You would have assumed it was drugs. You're going to, you know, 
open the trunk and there's 500 pounds of heroin or something in there, right? Yeah. But Maybe I mean, that's a bad plan, though. I don't know why, how you thought it well, was going to work. Yeah, I've just, I'll refuse to stop and they'll think, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I guess we'll just let that guy go. He can't be up to anything bad. Yeah, that's, uh, it's just so strange. Um, where were the Chinese guys in the trunk? They they just say they were secreted inside the pickup truck, maybe under a tarp in the back seat. Maybe there was a cap on the pickup. I don't actually know that. Um, it could be this guy's just a moron. But and and it's it's said that he was recent recently diagnosed uh, bipolar. Um, but uh, that's crazy. Well, it's possible that China. Why would China try to sneak a couple of people in that way, though? They got they they, they got gazillions of people on our college campuses they, they working using, for like, the Chinese. Groupon to find smugglers. How is this this guy's playbook? I know what I'll do. I'll floor it through the border right. and open fire on the agents. That's, right, the, that's how you get people in. <laughs> Send them to Texas. Have them walk across the border and and ask for asylum. Eighty five percent, eighty five or eighty seven percent of people never show up for their hearing. So, listen, China, you want to get your spies in, have them walk across the border. I always remember a Tom Friedman column in the New York Times from years ago about the border. And I, I thought he was right at the time. God, this might be five, seven, eight years ago now. We were arguing about the border then. You see, we've been arguing about the border for decades now, and nobody ever does anything about it. But he said... That's why Trump got elected, Jack. It's a lot of it. To a large extent. And Tom Friedman said, uh, you know when we're going to finally do something about the border is when a couple of Middle Eastern guys with a with a, uh, a briefcase come across the border and do something. Then mm-hmm. we're going to get serious about our border. Yeah. And I thought that would happen at some time because I thought a lot of these countries that want to do bad stuff to us would think, geez, you can just walk into America across their border. Millions of people do it. We're going to do it right. that way. And something would happen and we'd have to get serious about it. But it hasn't happened yet. These Chinese guys coming across is a little scary, but China's yeah. not going to blow anything up. Yeah. They already have spies in our country. They work for uh, communications companies and college campuses and stuff like right. that. Right. So in the uh, movie business, they have what's called the elevator pitch. I mean, you've got to quickly summarize what is this story. I don't want to go to the fourth floor. How about you? Is that the elevator pitch? No, no. Uh, the fourth floor is great. You ought to go there. So I don't know this uh, this guy with the pickup and the Chinese guys. I don't know what this story is. Is this a story about a mentally ill guy who decided to make a little money? Um, or is it a, a spycraft story or what? I, I, it's hard to say, but it's craziness, craziness. Um, eh, I don't really have time for the Joe Biden thing. We'll do that next. It's just coming up literally in a couple of minutes. But, um, yeah, the National Weather, Weather Service meteorologist told... Uh, well, they're reporting that there was a 80-mile-long, 80-mile-wide blob heading down from the mountains into San Diego County. And they are tracking this and and looking at the weather and thinking, what is that? It's not rainy. Number one, why is the weather coming down like that it's, instead of off the ocean? And uh, and and what is it? We don't have any rain, and and they uh, sent up a drone or do what did whatever they did. Looked up in the sky and realized it was an eighty mile by eighty mile blob of ladybugs flying. Fly. Listen, ladybugs are a charming beast, and they're actually very beneficial. They eat uh, nasty bugs on flowers and, and crops and other things. But and they got little spots on them. Well, <laughs> he's cute as a button. Um. The, the ladybugs, Jack. Here's the most astounding. Well, now the most astounding part is there's an eighty mile by eighty mile blob of them. 
most astounding part to me is they were flying between 5,000 and 9,000 feet in the air. A mile in the air. I mean, they're they're a cute bug, but I consider them to be a a modest flyer at best. How long does it take a ladybug to fly from the ground to a mile or two up? That's what I'm saying. Before they even start heading the other direction. I mean, it's not like they swoop around like uh, sparrowhawks or something like that. They got their little wings and they kind of buzzle and run. They hop from maybe flower to flower. And sometimes you see them get scared and they fly a little ways, kind of shaky and wobbly. And you got 80 miles worth of them, 9,000 feet in the air. The humble ladybug, my friends. Yeah. There, there's the radar shot. We'll have the link for you at armstrongandgetty.com if you'd like to to watch it. How densely it's packed were they? How densely packed were they? No, am I some sort of ladybug density expert? No, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Uh, but densely enough to show up on the radar, which I think is probably significant. But uh, that's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, I'd say we got some more World War II D-Day anniversary stuff for you, among other things. I hope you can stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Available right now via the iHeart app and iTunes. Our two new podcasts. Armstrong and Getty, one more thing. That's our daily after show podcast. And Armstrong and Getty Extra Large featuring our interviews of the most interesting people in the world. Subscribe today via the iHeart app or iTunes. Or wherever podcasts are given away for free. Because we're stupid. The Armstrong and Getty Show. In the cold gray light of the 6th of June in the year of 44, the Empire Lot sailed out from Poe. To join with thousands more The largest fleet the world had seen We sailed in close array And we set our course for Normandy At the dawning of the day that now quite old man was 15 years old on D-Day 1944 and uh, on a ship and the youngest known D-Day veteran. And the song Shores of Normandy has been number one on Amazon singles charts for almost a week. We've got it linked at armstrongandgetty.com. We're going to play the whole thing later in the show. Why the heck not? Looking forward to it. Hey, the by the not? way, quick shout out. Uh, we have some great D-Day stuff. Uh, but a quick shout out to those who served and fought with miraculous bravery and Oh, terrible uh, casualty rates and the rest of it in the Pacific. We haven't forgotten you fellas either. Oh, yeah, we got a text about that. If we hadn't been able to perfect the atomic bomb and been able to drop it, what would the invasion of Japan been like? Compare, it, it, it might have made uh, D-Day seem like nothing. Right, and uh, according to any analysis I take seriously, and I've seen opposing analysis, and it, it's just dumb, but that's my opinion. You're certainly entitled to years, but according to any serious analysis of it, the loss of life in an invasion of Japan would have dwarfed the loss of life in the two atomic bombings. I mean, dwarfed it. Um, I was thinking more for our side as we tried to invade. Oh, yeah. Invading Japan, would have, D-Day might not have even gotten mentioned. 
invading Japan. Who knows what that would have been like right, for right. our son. Sean, I thought uh, uh, the book Ship of Ghosts was about the USS Houston. That was a ship that my father or my grandfather was on that got sunk in the Pacific. I mm-hmm. uh, really recommend that book if you're looking for some good reading about that part of the war. Yeah, there are many islands, many battles, many ships. Uh, that the, their, their stories are astounding. I mentioned this earlier. I'll mention it again in case you didn't hear it. D-Day was as if... You took the cities of Green Bay, Racine, and Kenosha, Wisconsin, which adds up to 175,000 people. You took all those cities, every man, woman, and child, every automobile and truck, all the food, everything they had needed to live, picked it up overnight and deposited it on the east side of Lake Michigan and did it in one night, right. logistically speaking. Right. Just an amazing. And, in, and In the midst of machine gun fire from, in this case, the combined Axis forces of Michigan and Indiana, yeah, for some reason. You'd have to assume that Michigan <laughs> wouldn't be shooting at Wisconsiners trying to come over the beat. Uh, I've known many Michiganders and many Wisconsinites, and they're fine folks. And Churchill called it the most difficult and complicated operation to ever take place. The and, only time they conflict is over college football. Back to you, Jack. And as our... Uh, Military analyst Mike Lyons pointed out there'll never be anything like this again because you just you couldn't you you would you'd get no element of surprise. So that was one of the uh, that's an element of warfare I've always been fascinated by is weather and cloud cover and disguising your forces, disguising your troops, inflatable tanks, uh, camouflage, literally tarps with tree branches over an assembly of tanks. And just that, all of that stuff, and and sending uh, shadow forces that appear to be assaulting one point while you sneak up on tiptoe for your actual assault point, that's just all so interesting to me. And D-Day was a, a miracle of that art, they say. I'm seeing Ken Burns up on the Today Show, great historian, documentary filmmaker, talking about D-Day. And prominent elf. Gotta quit dyeing your hair, dude. You just yeah. got it. You can't have the completely white beard and the black hair of a 25-year-old. It's ridiculous. It's just... What if I start dyeing my beard completely white? <laughs> to be the inverse of Ken Burns. Well, or... you'd look like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't yeah. be the first time. We all yeah. do wacky well, things. Right. Uh, we all do wacky things. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> to try to, you know, well, look that ain't better. one of them. <laughs> I haven't done that one, but yeah, I did have an earring once. So I had a, I had a perm once. Mm, Although I was, so I, was, I was 19. I wasn't 65 or whatever. I'm not going to do something like that when I'm that age. I don't think. Um, That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, fake meat is really taken off, it, it looks like. Or there, there's an attempt to make it take off, fake meat, yeah, for a variety of reasons. In interviews with nine U.S. grocery store chains show that retailers are still figuring out Beyond Meat, that's one of your main fake meat companies, uh, how to handle it in the shopping aisles, and a lot of them are making it into the 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 meat case. That's where I would put stores. it. That's where I'd put Even it. Even though it's not meat. Yeah, it's but it's, it's in terms of cooking, it plays a similar role. It has the same place on your plate, <clears throat> which I think is, is the point. And, of course, you know, it's it's like Coke and Pepsi fighting to get on the end caps in grocery stores or whatever. You got Beyond Meat and the other companies trying to get in get in first and get the right placement and getting in the meat 
Uh, getting in the meat case versus getting in over, you know, in the vegetarian right. aisle is a, is a huge deal. Well, that's the thing. If I'm going to try, and I'm talking about me, if if I'm going to try it or think, wow, you know, wait a minute, why don't I try that and make some burgers out of it? It's not going to be because I was shopping for soup and I saw it next to the soup. It's going to be because I was going for hamburger meat. The fresh meat. People want the beef. They do, sir. <laughs> the fresh meat case is one of the most restricted areas of the supermarket because space is limited and perishable items need to be chilled. Right. The move chill to, people. The movement to put something that's not meat in the meat case has drawn the ire of the U.S. Cattlemen's Association. Oh, I'm sure. Which wants the meat case reserved exclusively for meat. I see their argument. <laughs> Chances their spokesman wears spurs. I, I not near one hundred, not Spurs, but cowboy boots one hundred. Okay, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As I'm wearing cowboy boots right now. So back in our early radio days, uh, partly because they were in, uh, you probably have more on this. He said, he said yes. Uh, he says <laughs> uh, the, our charming tale of our early radio days to come. Stay with us. He says the meat case should be reserved for meat. Good argument. He says <laughs> the new products create confusion and erode trust customers place in the meat case. Not such a good argument. My, my trust in the meat case. I'd, I've never really evaluated how high my trust level <laughs> in the meat case is. You know, I feel like I can really <laughs> let my guard down here in the meat case because I know I can trust it. <laughs> if you can't trust your meat case, who can you trust? Right! Why have you turned this grocery store into a den of lies? <laughs> Meat, don't do it. Shouted many customers having seen vegetable-based food products. Well, in and this the meat is case. hard how it starts. You trust erodes in the meat case. Next thing you know, socialism. Yeah, yeah. So we're <laughs> we began our, our radio careers together in Kansas, specifically beautiful Salina, Kansas, in Wichita, Kansas. And uh, and, and what happened there will shock you. As I get the signal that we're about out of time. <laughs> so that's that's coming up. Sorry, I'm Gladys. A moment or two. Quite all right, Michael. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Wrapping up the D-Day ceremonies, <laughs> a crisis at the border exploding, and the amazing health benefits offered by tomato juice. Ah, what the a humble f- tomato. Erodes trust customers' place in the meat case. I don't know what to believe. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. We should talk about this at some point when we have time. We're now the 22nd most influential talk radio 21st, show. 21st, Jack. We're 21st. number 21. 21st most influential talk. Skyrocketing up the charts. Yes, I think we're at 24 last year. Yes. We should talk about who's ahead of us and who's behind us. Uh, Who are we stomping on? Just crushing. Just embarrassing them. We should go through that list. If you ain't the lead dog, the view never changes. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Uh, <laughs> Great D-Day stuff still to come on the show. Plus, Joe Biden's campaign. Is it already faltering? As I predicted. Yeah, we'll talk to Lan Hee Chen, who knows a lot about that sort of stuff coming up. I, I, I'm looking forward to that conversation. I just said, ah, for some reason. <laughs> that's not the sort of thing you should do when you're the 21st most influential talk show host. What's uh, what's that line from Elvis? Uh, how many of you folks seen Blue Hawaii? <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, news now with Marsha Phillips. Well, events marking the 75th anniversary of D-Day are, being, are taking place around the nation's capital today. We had a ceremony this morning at the National World War II Memorial to honor those who gave their lives 75 years ago. And in France, President Trump and other world leaders Remember the sacrifice and the victory of the men who landed on the beaches of Normandy. 10,000 men shed their blood and thousands sacrificed their lives for their brothers, for their countries, and for the survival of liberty. 
Trump going Is that in- the same World War II memorial marshal that they closed down during the so-called government shutdown? Even though it's an open plaza where you wander around in awe and reverence and pay your respects to those who fought and sacrificed, and there are no services, there's nothing there that requires the government. But they shut it down to punish us every time the government quote-unquote shuts down. Is that the same place? I believe it that may right, be the same location. Right, please, go on. The president joining hundreds of others at the Normandy American Cemetery, where 9,088 Americans are buried. I am all for that, but as I said earlier, and the short version of this is, we've got people doing the same thing right now, giving their lives for their country in honor of liberty, to try to preserve liberty, and nobody pays any attention. It doesn't even make the news. And we have to pay attention so they are not misused or are lost lightly or... The cowards in Congress just throw troops here, there, and everywhere, whether it's a good idea or not. Or, if you think they're not giving their lives to protect liberty, mm-hmm. then have your congressman get involved in bringing them back. Right. Meanwhile, along the lines of sacrifice, the Defense Department is saying one person is dead, as many as 20 others injured in a crash in New York involving U.S. military cadets. It happened this morning when a five-ton armored personnel carrier overturned in West Point. That uh, site is a summer training camp for the cadets. The investigation has just begun. And not slowing down, the U.S. Border Patrol says it encountered or arrested more than 144,000 migrants at the southern border in May, the largest monthly total in 13 years. There's no crisis at the border. Manufactured crisis. It's just an attempt to try to get Mueller off the front page. Right. Mm -hmm. And if they concede at all that it's a crisis, they always throw in humanitarian. It's a humanitarian crisis. It's not an immigration crisis, logistical, political, financial, medical, whatever, legal. No, it's a humanitarian crisis. All right. Boy, could politics be any dumber? Speaking of the border, this just uh, came across from the Washington Examiner. I haven't read the article yet. The TSA is allowing illegal migrants to fly without proper documents yeah i saw that that'll end well oh yeah you have to show your legal id but well if you're an illegal then eh, not so much what uh, I, there's no way they let me on a plane without my id no way. not a chance nope. unless you're an illegal then well i guess so wow it i tell you what it is it, it hollows out a society when those who are citizens, loyal taxpayers, etc., must follow the rules, must follow the law, must respect the law. But those who are not citizens, taxpayers, etc., they don't have to. Th- those resentments don't go away easily. That does not end well. A Los Angeles politician is now supporting a policy that lets courts force mentally ill people off the streets and into treatment. The L.A. County Supervisor, uh, Catherine Barger, says making appropriate use of so-called conservatorship is not too harsh. I would argue it's draconian to keep people on the streets that are mentally ill, that are being victimized both by individuals that are on the street, but also just with the elements out there. L.A. taking a uh, look at San Francisco's uh, plan to move ahead with a pilot program to increase those conservatorships. We have to do something. If you're not familiar with this, prior to around 1965 or so, you could say, you know, my my uh, teenage daughter or my uh, young son who's 24 or whatever, he's acting very erratically. He's very strange. We think he's got a problem. 
and and you could be detained against your will for an extended period if you had a couple of people say, yeah, yeah, he's kind of acting kind of nuts right now. Um, and it was it was way too far that way. There's way too much discretion. But that doesn't mean we ought to just let profoundly mentally ill people wander the streets all the time. I think we ought to have another try at getting it right. Now, if you happen to enjoy the taste of unsalted tomato juice, there is good news. It is... Wow, that's a... That's what a, about pepper? Does it say anything about pepper tomato juice? Everybody's in their car saying, yeah, I, I love unsalted <laughs> well, tomato juice. That's, that's, that's kind of my thing. I, I'm uh, always on unsaltedtomatojuice.com on the the, 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 uh, the boards, the conversation boards. Whatever they're called. Any, any. That was really a ratings-getting, ear-grabbing opening <laughs> sentence right there. Juice! It is. That's why we're the 21st most influential talk show in America. Right. Back to your sentence. Wait till you hear our stuff on pulp-free orange juice. <laughs> Anyway, it turns out it's very healthy. Researchers have found that drinking about seven ounces of the juice each day can dramatically lower blood pressure Wait and cholesterol. I'm going to buy some today. What's it do for my stool? What, today. If, I, what if I got a little, uh, little vodka, hurt. celery stick, some, uh, exactly. you know, little... I'm little. coming over. Yeah. Guess what? <laughs> there you go. Anyway, just pass it along to you if you're concerned. Unsalted yeah. tomato juice. Correct. All right. Seven ounces a day. That's all you need. That's a modest amount. Positive, yes. Sean. Bloody Mary bartender trick. You want yes. a little something yeah. that's easy to kind of put a, an interesting flavor in your Bloody Marys? Yes, Try please. just a little dab of A1 steak sauce. Okay. Oh, yeah. Sounds uh, great. A Worcestershire uh, substitute. I like it. All right. Toronto. It's like he's not really the juice anymore. <laughs> Toronto <laughs> With Raptors. the A1 steak sauce. <laughs> Toronto Raptors down in the Warriors, 123-109 to 109 last night yeah. in Oakland. Yeah, hey, well, some of the Warriors... Taking the two games to the one The second lead. best team in the world played some of the Golden State Warriors. Well, you got and really only one of the good ones. <laughs> what are you well, going to do? Phenomenal 47-point performance by Steph Curry. Not enough for the two-time defending champs who were out or without, rather, their injured starters, Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson. Just- Get in the backpack, team. Let me carry you, is what he was yelling to his team, and they just did nothing. They were just kicking the ball off the backboard all game. DeMarcus Cousins looked terrible out there. He was a lumbering uh, figure, no doubt. Well, 50% of your Hall of Famers are missing. That should make a difference. Well, and I'm telling you, Kevon Looney, who's uh, a force off the bench, him not being there, that matters a lot. Game four is going to be played Friday in Oakland. And that's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips here. I'm starting a Getty show, The Conscience of the Nation. Reasonable text as somebody asked. So is it a list of 21 talk shows? No. Oh, That'd wow. That's a question. So it's talkers.com. It's talk, the Talkers Magazine's Heavy 100. They put it out every year. Yes. The most influential talk shows in America. And we are now number 21. I remember when we were 50-something, and last year we were 24, and now we're right. number 21. Ah, we're number one with a bullet, or rising up through the charts, or something or other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Those are the list it, of 21 shows. I I understand what you're hinting at. <laughs> uh, and, and well played. Lon Hee Chen. Boys. You shut up. Lon Hee Chen, next to talk about the Biden campaign and politics. He's our favorite commentator. You'll enjoy him, too. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So, Joe Biden has run for president before. He's never done this well before. 
He's run a couple of times. He ran back in uh, 87. And then he ran uh, He ran when it ended up being um, Barack Obama, and there was just no point. Right. Um, I think that's when he lost, wasn't it? Oh, wait. Nobody knows. But anyway, back in the early days. In, so in, long ago. In 87, uh, when he ran, and he was a much younger man and everything like that, he got this, uh, he had this plagiarism dust-up happen, which which I think was unfair. He, he got busted for not crediting a quote that he gave in his speech. He gave this speech every day. It was part of his stump speech. And he would say, as the prime minister once said, blah, 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 blah. Well, he didn't say, he didn't say as the prime minister said one time, um, or whoever he was quoting. And uh, the Dukakis campaign, I think, that's what the rumor is. The Dukakis campaign seized on that, claimed that he plagiarized. It got into the New York Times. The Marine Dowd wrote a big column about it. And then they went back to to a plagiarism incident, incident when he was in college. When, Plays college? When, are you serious? When he had um, a shoddy footnoting of one of his papers, which most of us done. I'm betting Lon He Chen did not do that at Harvard. Certainly but not. I certainly did that at Colby Community College. Um <laughs> And so he got run out of the race for being a plagiarist. Well, he's had a plagiarism in- incident come up again this week in which he's got stuff on his website that would appear to be lifted word for word from something else. Right. Let's discuss with Lon He Chen, host of the podcast Crossing Lines with Lon He Chen, David and Diane Steffi, research fellow at Harvard, or at the Hoover Institution, rather. And Lon He is also the director of domestic policy studies and lecturer in the public policy program at Stanford University. Lon He, how are you, sir? Good morning, fellas. How are you? We're fine and dandy. So, listen, uh, is there anything you'd like to add or change from that description before we get into the current plagiarism problem? No, let me just say that was a remarkably thorough and fair assessment of what happened. That was our I, original heard, air names, by the way. Remarkably and thorough. I have heard that incident talked about many, many times, and I've actually rarely heard it described accurately. Well, and... You know, I mean, it's... Yeah, it's, anyway, it's crazy. I'm sorry, I was going to say, and honestly, I I don't have a lot of use for Joe Biden. Um, I think he's going to flounder and go away, but the current uh, plagiarism flap to me is is kind of silly. I mean, he's he's putting out position papers on, like, global warming. And Keeping so in mind that the one that drove him out of the campaign last time was silly. Well, right. <laughs> yeah. and, and he's lifting sentences or even a paragraph from activist groups who he agrees with in designing a policy. I, I, I just, and I right? don't think he probably is the guy who types out all the words on the website. Well, nobody claims that. So, I don't Is this just the way politics goes, Lonnie? It, it, it is a little bit, but I will say this. If, if, if first of all, there's some bad staff work here, because if you know that your candidate has a vulnerability, I don't care what it is, right? If you know your candidate's got a vulnerability, and in this case, Joe Biden, there is this knock on him about him being a plagiarist. Oh, are you there? I hope we didn't lose him. To extra length okay. to make sure that everything was properly sourced and that you had gone over it with a fine-tooth comb. I mean, I've done, as you guys know, I've done a number of presidential campaigns and, and the amount of care and checking that should go into anything you put out publicly, it, it needs to be pretty substantial. So I, I don't actually think in and of itself this is that big of a deal. I think it is a bigger question about the efficacy of the Biden campaign and the kind of team he's got and the campaign he's running. And they didn't identify this. That's well, what yeah, I'd be more that, worried about if I were in Joe Biden. That's an excellent point because less, he's... Less, less, less than the issue of Biden. Yeah, he obviously has somebody... 
with high enough rank on his team to put what's on the official website who copy and pasted a whole paragraph from something else. I mean, they clearly did that. It's not an accident that all those words are exactly right. the same. I mean, that's pretty weak staffing. Yeah. Well, and, and it's not, it's totally unforced error. It's something that could be easily avoided with, you know, any kind of check process on the inside, which. Uh-oh, we're losing him. We're losing him. Are you there, Lon He? <clears throat> you know, my next question to Lon He, as soon as we uh, straighten out the phone connection, is going to be about uh, Biden's, to my mind, if he's being honest, thoroughly reasonable stance on abortion. Right, I mean, he's right. a moderate. He is where America is. I he's, mean, like 60%, 70% of America. Yeah. It should be safe and legal early on. There should not be federal funding for it. Um, and and he's going to get murdered by the left for that. He already is. He might not be able to get the nomination because of that issue alone. And And again, it's overwhelmingly, solidly a yes in the general election. But it could be suicide in the primaries, which is why we've discussed with Lon He in the past. What do you think of the current primary system? How good an idea is it? And the answer is not terribly. If on the debate stage here in a couple of weeks they ask about the Hyde Amendment, that's the uh, the, the, the legislation that says, no, you can't have taxpayers funding these abortions in this way. On the federal level, on right? On the federal yeah. level. Um, if that comes up on the debate stage and every candidate says, yeah, I think we got to do away with that, and Biden says, no, I think it's a good idea to mm-hmm. not allow those dollars, Yeah, that might be a big dividing point for a lot of people. Lon He, given the fact that Biden's uh, thoughts on abortion are thoroughly mainstream in terms of all Americans, can he survive his being a real outlier in the Democratic field? Well, he, he's going to have to deal with this not only with the, with the question of, of abortion. He's got a number of topics where... You know, he has at least historically been an outlier or even currently has positions that are arguably to the right of where the rest of the uh, primary field and where the primary voters are. And, and, and look, I think their campaign is going to keep making it about electability. What they're going to say is, look, to the extent that he's out of touch or out of step with where the activists are, that's OK, because that makes him more electable. I, I don't know if that argument's going to fly, honestly, but we'll have to be that's their strategy. Yeah, well, I, I admire his courage. I mean, he, I think he's pandering on other things, but, you know, I'm, I'm familiar enough with the actual workings of politics. Like, for instance, his stuff on climate change. It's pie in the sky to the point of being silly. I mean, it's just not serious at all. But it's uh, saying it's checking the box and saying, I'm with you. And then saying, yeah, right. <laughs> as soon as the, the curtain's closed. Um, I, I get that. Um so, you know, on one hand, I kind of appreciate his courage in sticking to his guns, although he's not. To, he said to some lady who was an ACLU plant, um, she said, are you going to repeal the Hyde Amendment? And he said, absolutely. But then he clarified, no, I'm in favor of it. So is that just Joe being Joe? Yeah. And I think it's it's he sort of sees this as, you know, what can I do? to create the narrowest possible line and, and still get myself through this and not compromise myself and my campaign for the general election. And the, the question really is this. In the day and age where you've got Donald Trump and his pronouncements are very bold, it is a sort of old school style campaign, one where you are calibrating every statement carefully. Is that going to work? Is that going to work? Is that going to get him through the primary where it seems like the Democratic Party primary voters want someone who paints in bold strokes? 
And how's he going to work against against Donald Trump when he gets there, if he gets there? So I, I do have some real questions about whether and I've always you know, I've said this a couple of times. Joe Biden's a retro candidate. He's like a 1980s, 1990s style candidate running in a 2020 race. How's that going to work for him? I think that's a big question mark. Well, I heard some pundits say the other day, it feels like when Bob Dole got his turn to run against Clinton. They, they, that could happen, couldn't it? Yeah. And, it's a guy and, from the past. Know, it's his turn. He's been senator forever. Choice. You're an old man. The, the, the funny thing is that hasn't tended to be how Democrats have picked their nominees. If you look at Democratic Party nominees, they've, they, they've not tended to be the next in line, with the exception of Hillary Clinton. They've not tended to be the next in line. Republicans actually historically have been the ones that have done the next in line thing, right? Bush, uh, Ray, uh, Bush and then, um, uh, uh, you know, after him, you had uh, uh, the remembers. younger Bush, and then you had McCain, and then you had Romney, right? So it, it, the Republicans have tended to do that. The Democrats have tended not to. Hey, last week when we asked you, you put the likelihood of impeachment at 40%. Have you moved off that number either way? Well, you know, I think it's 40 plus or minus a few points. I mean, every day there's, you know, people are trying to read the tea leaves around Nancy Pelosi. What did she say? Does she mean that she's more likely to want to do it? I I just don't see Democrats, I I don't see the number getting much higher unless public opinion begins to shift meaningfully. Yesterday she said Trump should be in prison. (laughs) I saw that. I saw that. But, you know, what does that mean, right? I mean, Lon Hee Chen is the host of the podcast Crossing Lines with Lon Hee Chen. Lon Hee, I apologize. We've got about 15 seconds left in the segment. But it's, it's always great to talk. We look forward to it, and let's do it again soon. Great. Thanks, guys. All right, thank you. I catch him on Face the Nation. I think that's the show he's on because I watch him all, but he's on Face the Nation a lot of times. He's good. He's regularly the standout among the the panel. We'll have to ask him about Nancy and her maneuverings next time. She's a little down today because she was, what, 35 uh, during (laughs) D-Day and is looking back fondly. She was 35. I just, it's a a big day for her. Oh, boy. Armstrong and Getty.